ladies and gentlemen, this next reviewer discussion is scheduled for one podcast. Join Chris Vint and Mike Lacey as they make up the dynamic team of WrestleShock. Hello everyone and welcome back to another WrestleShock full episode. This isn't a review show, this isn't one with Alan Price who's been on them, but this is one with a gentleman who you may or not... not remember but um if you want to introduce yourself sir it's me not alan price yeah mike lazy yeah it's, uh, it's i was gonna say it's alan price it's not alan price it's mike lazy yes and when did you say the last one we did mike was january our 2012 year in review episode was the last time we spoke together on this episode on this uh podcast here Yes, because we both do a Turtles podcast sometimes, that'll take a bit of priority. Um, it's not a case of I don't want to talk to Mike, I love talking to Mike. Um, I don't want to talk to you. Okay, well hang up then. Um, <laughs> thanks very much for listening until next January. Um, yeah, so it's just been a case of our schedules haven't been mixing well um, either, because Mike works crazy hours and then sometimes I'll not be off the day he's off and Mike has a family, whereas I have games to play <laughs> um, so but I have wrestling reviews up so um, Mike why don't you tell the listeners what we're going to do today alright today we are going to discuss your top five wrestling feuds of all time yes and uh, thankfully due to WWE home video wwdvd.co.uk they've actually given us a blu-ray and a dvd um, of the top 25 rivalries um, which you can pr- get on their site there now um, the blu-ray winner is going to be decided by moi and before we started Mike um, scroll down and just randomly pick somebody and they will be announced at the end but before we do that um, I did get a message from um, WWE Home Video um, well I try and get it here you can see how organised we are on the show um, <laughs> I'm just going to read this out and then I'm going to play the trailer and then Mike and I are going to get on to our top 5 rivalries of all time so um on behalf of WWE DVD, uh, I am delighted to announce that you can now pre-order Triple H That Kingdom Come on 3-disc DVD and 2-disc Blu-ray set. Release date in the UK is 14th of October 2013. Featuring an in-depth look at Triple H's life and career from 13-time world champion to COO, Triple H has played multiple roles spanning decades, packed with over two hours of documentary footage and all new interviews profiling Triple H's entire career, as well as his current executive role within the WWE Triple H like Kingdom Come gives an unprecedented look at the King of Kings witness some of the greatest matches of Triple H's career as he takes on some of WWE's greatest ever superstars including The Rock, Shawn Michaels Ric Flair, Chris Jericho and more um yeah, so you can head over, pre-order that. Um, I'm going to leave you now just to hear a little bit of the trailer that was um, brought out and then head over and pre-order that and then listen to us. So I'll play the trailer now. He was like this moldable piece of clay. He was highly motivated and he was going to achieve greatness. He said, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't do anything. And we were like, designated driver. The real man was more interesting than the character he was portraying. His mother could not believe some of the stuff that he was doing. (laughs) It was huge. It was a huge part of, like, pop culture. It's one of those crazy Vegas nights, and we end up married. Mr. and Mrs. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. 
a lot of people were coming to me events keep your eye on him you know i don't trust him triple h tearing his quad is one of the most gruesome things i've ever seen he stood up on it which is impossible when you picture world wrestling entertainment he's it it's baptism by fire especially when the chairman is your father-in-law and his family to have a home life with three young daughters and a working wife to me is remarkable i mean his toenails were painted green for two weeks I think they're gonna be looking at him the same way they still look at Michael Jordan. Like he's just best there's ever been. More importantly to me, he's the Hall of Fame human being. So make sure you head over and pre-order that. Mike, is this um, a set that you're looking forward to with the success of the Stone Cold Steve Austin documentary, the CM Punk one? Is this one that you're kind of pumped up for yourself? Absolutely. Um, Triple H has kind of always been, you know, being the cerebral assassin and all that kind of very, one of the most interesting characters uh, of the last 20, 25 years. So definitely one I'm looking forward to seeing more of an in-depth look at um, following the the long documentaries that we got from Stone Cold and from The Rock and from Sam Punk, if we get one that's even close to that caliber, it's going to be an amazing DVD set. Yeah, and I haven't seen the trailer. This is the first time, apart from when it was American Badass, that you see The Undertaker talk out of character. You know, like he's sitting there with a hoodie and his hood's up and everything. So that's kind of unique as well. So um, kind of unique to see that. But regardless, we shall crack on and we shall talk about our top five wrestling feuds of all time. Mike, before we start, how hard was it for you to um, put your list together? Because I know a lot of people that emailed said that this was one of the toughest uh, top fives that we've actually requested. Yeah, absolutely one of the hardest ones. Just because there's so many so many fond memories of different feuds throughout the years. Um, it it would have been easier to come up with a top ten, but uh, I'm, I'm, not about the, I'm not about the easiness. I want to make people think, make people have to make tough decisions. So top five uh, is... A good way to narrow it down and and really make people think and pick their brains and really select the cream of the crop. Okay, so I'll go first of all, and then once I finish, we'll talk a little bit about um, some of them, and then we'll go on to the next one. So I'm going to read Jevin Burness, um, a guy I work with, and says in no particular order. So even though people have put them in the top five, he decided not to. So he's put Rock Austin. Austin McMahon, Hardy's Dudley's Edge and Christian, Shawn Michaels Undertaker and Punk Samoa Joe all through the indies and ROH. Now, you know, a lot of people may have just put WWF. Um, some may have put TNA, but I don't think there's that many on the list. But um, obviously, the Austin McMahon, Rock Austin ones kind of stick out the most for me. Um, do you ever watch the likes of Ring of Honor? You know, are you familiar with the Punk Samoa Joe rivalry yourself, Mike? Uh, only from the Punk DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've seen some ROH stuff, but not that far back. Um, I've seen some of the more recent stuff, but not not really enough to follow it. I know that they have some, a, a syndicated show over here in the United States, but it doesn't seem to be on any of the channels that I get. Yeah. So I think that kind of hurts them. They do a lot of internet pay-per-views and, and stuff like that, so you really kind of have to follow them online, which kind of is, is, is tough for me to do. Um as far as like TNA and stuff like that, I don't really watch a whole lot of TNA. Um, I'll kind of keep up with it through you know through online you know ways and stuff like that. Um, I'm mainly a WWE guy, but 
It doesn't mean that if there isn't great, uh, you know, great things happening over in TNA or OH that um, it kind of won't pique my attention. I will take a look if there's something that I find is, you know, supposed to be really good. Yeah. No, I'm kind of the same. I kind of flatantly watch TNA. I watched the last one there, um, but it's not really that I'll sit down and watch week in week out I know Jevin in particular is a big TNA fan I, w- I was actually surprised that an AJ um, AJ Samojo Daniels feud wasn't actually in that but regardless Mike you go on with the next list and see what piques your interest there alright the next list comes from Andy Acton uh, and his list is in order uh, his number 5 was Rey Mysterio versus the late great Eddie Guerrero number 4 was Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage oh yeah <laughs> Number three, E and C, Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys for their Unreal Ladder matches. Number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. And number one for him was Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. Uh, what sounds out there for you, Mike? Um, for me, one that I, I really liked um, and, and stuff for me was the Hogan and Savage feud, the, um, the Mega Powers. I really loved that. Um, the whole, you know, that was, you know, WrestleMania 4, WrestleMania 5, right in there with, uh, you know, Savage winning the title at WrestleMania 4 and then leading right into that great storyline with, with them kind of teaming up and then leading to the breakup and then their rivalry. Um, just, it, it was one of the first, um, for at least for me, the first uh, surprising heel turns um, with, with Savage kind of getting that slow burn, that slow turn, uh, and, and then taking the full turn and, and kind of the whole paranoia thing over Elizabeth yeah, and, and stuff like that. For, for me, as, you know, as a young kid, that really was intriguing and one of the, one of the first big feuds and rivalries that stands out in my mind in, in my wrestling watching history. Okay. Um, yeah, I I totally agree that you know I'm a as everyone would know I'm a big Hulk Hogan fan. Uh, the Rey Mysterio Eddie Guerrero feud was very good as well. Obviously, dating back to you know like their rivalry in WCW, then mm-hmm. the um, custody of Dominic. Um, that kind of match was really good. Wherever you would see the first kind of emergence of Vicky Guerrero then and that, but. Solid list there from Andy. So I'll go on. This is from Jessica Chand, uh, WrestleBuddy1 on YouTube. Make sure you go check her out. Um, her favorite five feuds are in order as well. Five, as we just talked about, Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. Number four, Randy Orton and Triple H, which is kind of funny now since they're all bestest friends <laughs> in the whole world. Number three, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Number two, Kane and Undertaker. And number one, a recurring one that you'll see many times here, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. Um, Randy Orton and Triple H match, or Triple H, like, I, I obviously remember... Um, Triple H going to Orton's in inverted commas house and throwing them out the window their match at Wrestlemania 25 which we kind of hit their finishers within the first couple of minutes and just didn't really do an awful lot for the crowd or I think it's only been the last couple of years that Triple H has truly got a Wrestlemania moment whereas I think Randy Orton for me Randy Orton is still to get his Wrestlemania moment there hasn't been too many standout matches there from Orton at Wrestlemania but the rivalry obviously now you know evolution that kind of thing blowing up in Orton's face as well so what do you uh, was that a feud that you enjoyed um, Mike? Yeah I really I really enjoyed the whole 
evolution the first time um with a with it it seemed to have come full circle now mm-hmm. with the relationship between Randy Orton and Triple H but um yeah i i thought that whole the whole first time around was a, a lot of fun especially the whole the whole thing with when Orton won the title and then all of a sudden Triple H you know thumbs down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then put it to him um I thought that that whole thing was was really good and something that I really enjoyed. Okay, um, you're up next. All right, next comes from Joe Scott, which is Joe Scott forty four on YouTube, and his top five starts with John Cena versus Edge, number four Undertaker versus Kane, number three Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, two John Cena versus Randy Orton, and number one Triple H versus The Rock. Okay, so that's some different ones in there, different ones than we've received so far. Yes, yeah. Um, obviously, with these lists, you know, like we're not going to talk about the same one. We're going to try not to talk about the same one, but one that kind of springs out a bit there. So, what kind of springs out at you from Joe's list there, Mike? Um, the whole uh, John Cena versus Edge. Um, actually, mm-hmm. we got we have two John Cenas on this match so, on this list. So, Joe must be a big uh, John Cena mark. <laughs> it must be. <laughs> I think he's the only one in the list, but there is one at number five there from the next one who seems to be a bit of a John Cena fan. So. Um, I think that's why these two were kind of put side by side but yeah I would agree with you you know John Cena versus Edge what are your recollections from that well I just like the see I was always a big Edge fan ever since the brood um, I, I really liked the whole Edge and Christian thing and when when they went separate ways and Edge went on his own I kind of really didn't know how it was going to go I didn't know um, because I never saw him as anything other than a tag team performer mm-hmm. so a lot of times, um, you know, it's we've had a lot of successful guys, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, you know, in, in particular, that had big time singles runs coming out of very successful, you know, tag teams. But um, I wasn't quite sure how Edge was going to really fare. And then when he went out on his own and did the whole rated R superstar thing, I thought that was really different. Um, I, I like never thought that even even at the beginning when Edge and Christian were with Gangrel and the Brood and they were technically the heels, it was really more that Gangrel was the heel and kind of, you know, Edge and Christian didn't really seem to have the heelish personas themselves. Yeah. Um, so this was really the first time that we saw Edge as a full, true and true heel. Because even with Edge and Christian, when, when they did their bit of a heel run, it was more comedy. Yes, yeah. Um, but, you know, Edge kind of really really came into his own uh, when he went into his singles run and I think the feud with John Cena um, over the title there really cemented his like his legacy as being a full on single star competitor I think it was with you saying about his and Christian to split up you don't know how I think it was the same way whenever um, Orton was with uh, DBS and Rhodes mm-hmm. and you didn't know everyone was like DBS is going to be a star and Cody Rhodes will be doing nothing and then obviously it's reverse you know you you just don't know how they're going to um, how they're going to adjust what they're going to do especially with the likes of the primetime players that they split up you mm-hmm. know where's that going to go to um, but yeah the Cena um, Edge one of my uh, memories of that is uh, Edge with the belt going to Cena's house and slapping John Cena Sr. <laughs> which is quite a hard sentence, John Cena Sr. Um, <laughs> I just remember that and just remember laughing at that whenever I should have probably me, 
Ibby went, oh no, that's terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's probably what I remember more about that. Um, so I'll go on to Harry Jones, who actually writes quite a bit now. Um, there is like a couple of these which we'll talk about at the end. So Harry Jones, number five, John Cena and CM Punk. Maybe the whole summer of Punk makes this one stand out to me, but I feel that they have some excellent matches together whilst they feuded and made from exciting television. Now, number four is a bit of a, sh- a surprise. John Cena and JBL. This one sticks out to me because at the time the feud began, I was a huge John Cena fan. JBL played a terrific heel and boy did he have some great matchups. ECW versus WWE. Now this may not be a superstar rivalry, but this angle had me in Dreamland. Being a huge ECW mark to see it reignited back in 05-06 was amazing and made for some interesting television, great matchups and two fantastic pay-per-views. Shawn Michaels and Triple H, um, I love their feuds, they always had an interesting promo to cut on one another or have an attack looming. Triple H is one of the best at portraying the heel persona, so for him to go heel and his former best friend Shawn Michaels was fantastic. Their matches always stick out and were fantastic as well. This one was very close to being number one. And number one, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. This feud is probably, possibly the most well-known feud in the history of professional wrestling. It made for great television as it was a concoction of things like comedy, violence and seeing a boss get it handed to him. Thanks for not swearing. <laughs> Austin played the face role very well and was a very likeable character and people could relate to him in different ways. Vince played the heel like a master and always knew how to draw heat. Although their matches may not have been fantastic, they damn sure made it entertaining, which I totally agree with. So, um, We'll talk about John Cena and JBL. Um, no, we'll talk about John Cena and CM Punk because I think that'll probably not be a many list. Um, these two guys, um, for me, are the rock and awesome of the modern day. They can cut promos on each other. Um, they can have fantastic matches. They can headline, you know, whatever pay per view you put in front of them. Um, obviously, Money in the Bank was whenever Punk won the belt in Chicago, took it home, put it in the fridge, and then we didn't see him <laughs> for a while. Um, I take it this was a huge feud that you enjoyed seeing culminated at Money in the Bank then, Mike? Oh, yeah. Uh, th- this, for me, that match was the match of the year that year. That was 2011, I think. Um, and just, it, it, it all started with Cena having been put through a table and just laying in the ring and, and CM Punk coming out wearing his Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt and dropping the legendary pipe bomb that he did mm-hmm. sitting cross-legged at the top of the ramp. Um, just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think that this is the best work that Cena's ever done. Um, yeah. Cena gets a gets a real bad rap. Um, I don't think that he is nearly deserving of the crap that he gets. Um, we've seen it in multiple matches with CM Punk. Um, we saw it last month with Daniel Bryan that he can really, really hold his own in, in, in the ring at times. Now, he might be one of those guys that plays down to his competition, mm-hmm. that maybe when he's not, when he's not working with, when he's working with the likes of you know, Mark Henry or you know, somebody that is, is not as technically sound in the ring, maybe it's just a matter of clashing of styles. But um, when he's got somebody really well to work with, when he's got a technician, the likes of CM Punk or Daniel Bryan in the ring with him, um, I don't think it's necessarily a case of them carrying him. I think it's just the fact that it, it, it's, it's a chemistry thing that he plays up to their level. 
Because yeah. to be honest with you, I think that these matches, the, the series of matches that we've got between CM Punk and John Cena were absolutely the class of that year. Yes, I would say that Cena would probably, you know, like uh, as you're saying, you know, like I don't think Cena carries, uh, Cena gets carried. Like I think Cena probably carried The Rock through their matches because The Rock obviously wasn't there, you know, for a lo- uh, long time. The Rock would get blown up quite a lot. You know, I think it's the same whenever Punk fought The Rock. The Rock would have to be carried by Punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just my opinion, people. Um, you know, I, I, as, you, as you say there, I think it's whenever he has the same kind of style. You know, like Mark Henry, a big big guy, big strong guy. You know, like not the best technical wrestler in the world, which John Cena isn't either. But whenever the two similarities come over, it, it doesn't make to the best of matches. But whenever we have two different ones... You know, like I'm not saying put Hornswoggle in there with him or anything, but um, whenever you have two different wrestlers combined, then it makes for a more entertaining kind of match, in my opinion. And uh, you know, I was never a Cena fan. It's funny because I was watching um, the best of Madison Square Garden, and mm-hmm. they had Cena versus Big Show um, for the U.S. belt. Cena's first WrestleMania. And um, the crowd were just absolutely hot for Cena, chanting Cena and everything. And then you think, you know, like a couple of years later, it's like, let's go Cena, Cena sucks. Because you just hear, let's go Cena, Cena, Cena. <laughs> and you're like, you look at it now and, you know, I'm a more John Cena fan now after he had his match and after he cut his promos in the Rock leading up the WrestleMania 29. He's there every week and what have you and it just um, the, the work he puts in kind of makes me respect the guy a lot more than I did um, a couple of years ago yeah absolutely and not that it really pertains to you know a, a feud or rivalry um, all the things that John Cena does for the company being the spokesman that he is um, when he brought out those kids on Raw after uh, being I think it was on Good Morning America or wherever he was yeah um, with the kids with the disabilities and, and, and stuff like that. People complain and, and, and get upset with saying that you, you really do need that guy. Um, we had, you know, Hogan in the eighties to play for the kids. Um, there, there really wasn't that guy in the, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands with, with the attitude era, they kind of went away from that um, and really focused on a older demographic and it seems that now, over the last 10 years or so, um, Vince and the WWE have kind of tried to go back to the 80s um, a little bit as far as getting that maybe like 8 to 15-year-old demographic. And you need a guy like John Cena. You need a guy for the kids to really root for and somebody for them to gravitate towards because if you don't have that guy um, – and I think we saw this in the Attitude Era when kids – you know, when, when kids latched on – to Stone Cold and, and, and The Rock and, and stuff like that, um, the young kids really, I don't think that they really could identify with that persona. And there really wasn't a whole lot of people for the young demographic to latch on to. And that's why after the Attitude Era ended and in the early 2000s, the ratings kind of plummeted because you didn't grab onto that young fan that's going to grow with the product. So I think that you need a guy like Cena now to really grasp the kids, the six, seven, eight-year-olds. And, you know, when they, when they turn into teenagers, yeah, their, their allegiance is probably going to shift. It's probably going to shift to a guy like CM Punk or Randy Orton or uh, Sheamus or, you know, somebody a little more edgy and stuff like that. But 
like you and like me, you have guys that are 35 years old that grew up on Hulk Hogan and are fans. Hey, today. don't give out our ages <laughs> on air. I dare. We can bleep that out in editing. <laughs> no, carry on. Sorry. But we're fans today because we latched on as little kids. So I think it's important to have somebody there for the little kids to latch on to so that you have those same kids, you know, continue to be fans 20 years down the road and continue to purchase your product and keep the product alive. So having somebody like John Cena, I think, is, is, is really important. As, as much as the crowd likes to boo him and smart marks like to boo him and whatnot, he really is a crucial and pivotal, uh, pivotal part of the industry. Yes, I would uh, 100% agree with you there. So I would do. Um, to each their own, you know, like we all have the people that we like, we all have the people that we don't like, and just so happens that, you know, a lot of people don't seem to like Cena, and Cena just takes it in a stride and just, you know, gets on with it, which, you know, is all fair, yeah, fair and you enough know what? to him. He, he does keep it in stride because he, he's even addressed it in promos talking about the you know the five moves of doom and, yeah. and and stuff like that that he can really he he can take it and and laugh about it because he really could be bitter about it a lot of guys probably would be um, like Ryback, i would imagine <laughs> <laughs> whenever he gets chanted that you, you can't wrestle you know that must be the worst thing whenever you're in a wrestling company yeah so i mean i, I think that he really shows his strength of character that he can take it in stride and he knows that he's, he's going to have a 50-50 split and kind of embraces it rather than the other way around. Okay, you go with the next list answer. Next list comes from Sean Blackford, uh, and his number five was The Undertaker versus Kane. Number four, Hogan versus Savage. Number three, Triple H versus Austin. Two, Brett versus Sean. And number one, Cena versus The Rock. No, I've... <sighs> Sean was at WrestleMania 27, 28, and 29. Sean Blackford's a big deal on YouTube. If you haven't gone and subscribed to him, go and do that. Um, you know, like some awesome videos, some great DVD sets, etc. that he does. Um, you know, he got near enough every Silver Vision DVD that's out there. Um, so Cena versus Rock, you know, like seeing that um, unfold from Rock being WrestleMania 27 host to then... The night after that, you know, having the the setup for the match for WrestleMania 28, and then the whole year, you know, like having the promos cut, the then their Survivor Series, one never before, never again, their once in a lifetime match that <laughs> ha- happened twice, and then you know, like is it going to be thrice in a lifetime? Let's hope not, because I don't want to see it again. Um, but I would say that the promos and things for me and the WrestleMania 28 match was a lot better than the WrestleMania 29 match and the build up to that in my opinion what are your thoughts on uh, Cena versus The Rock and who were you in favour of? I, I completely agree with you that the uh, the the first year long run um, was really good man it it took a lot of faith to book that that early because yeah. what I mean, they got so lucky that neither one of them got injured. I know, I know. <laughs> so, so that that match didn't happen. Um, I thought that they used The Rock well. Um, I, okay, at, at, at WrestleMania, at WrestleMania what twenty seven when he was the uh, the guest host, I think that he took a bit of the spotlight away from the Miz and, and John Cena. Yes, um, and the fact that the Miz was the champion. Uh, that part I didn't particularly care for, but after that, the year-long build-up I thought was done really well. Um, I didn't think it was oversaturation. 
um, because Cena had to do other things for the 12 months leading up to it. So they kind of had to sprinkle it in here and there, um, and I thought that was done well. Um, we had the Survivor Series match where uh, they teamed up against Miz and R-Truth, um, which I I didn't know what to think, you know, with The Rock having been gone for so long, what he was going to do in the ring. Um, and he carried it fairly well. Um, and then the WrestleMania match I thought was absolutely phenomenal. I yeah. thought The Rock hadn't missed a beat at all. Um, little did we know what we were going to see from him after that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I thought that it was... It was done really well, and I was really pulling for The Rock and, you know, was happy that he had won. The The next year, I was kind of done with it. Uh, I, I was, I was the, the, as the year drug on leading to 29, I just, I was, I was sick of it. I, you know, I, I, I turned, com- I turned completely 180 and was behind Cena the entire way. Exactly um, the same here. Yeah, and at, at 29... I was so happy that that Cena came out on top. Um, I really wish that The Rock wasn't the champion going in. Um, I I really wish that The Rock had not ended CM Punk's uh, streak because I didn't think that it was deserving of it. I didn't think that the 29 match would need the title involved. Yeah, I don't agree with him winning the belt and then him unveiling a new belt. I think that's something Punk should have done once he'd actually, you know reached a certain milestone say like 400 days or whatever and then unveiled that you know like unveiled the new belt rather than the rock doing that but yeah, sorry I, carry on and I didn't think that I didn't think that the title really needed to be in play in this rivalry um, I think that there was more than enough star, uh, more than enough star power to, to go with it that the title should have stayed on Punk um, I mean obviously Punk couldn't have held the title for forever but um, I didn't think that the rock really deserved to have the title Um not being a full-time roster guy, you know, you had a champion that was never on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, You're very much like, um, oh, was it? Oh, it was um, whenever TNA were over here, Jeff Hardy was a champion, but Jeff Hardy couldn't come over to the UK because, for legal reasons. Yeah, so basically, at the start of the year, you had both um, sets of companies that their champions weren't represented on TV. Yeah, so I mean. That that rivalry is really one that went in complete direction, in complete different directions for me over the two year span that it went. Uh, and I take it you wouldn't want to see it happen again at WrestleMania 30 because I sure as hell wouldn't. Uh, no, no. Okay, I'm yeah. I'm done with the Rock. The Rock can go play movie star and be done as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit of an update on the Rock is that. You know, WWE is home, but if somebody can help The Rock find his keys because he can't seem to get back in, he doesn't <laughs> seem to want to come back to his home. So, no doubt we'll see him again in the future anyway, whenever he needs to promote a movie or what have you. But like you, I'm kind of done with The Rock. It was good to see him come out and him perform at WrestleMania 29. I know Alan was very happy because Alan was a huge Rock fan growing up, whereas for me, I'm a bigger Austin fan, so if I hear the glass shatter at WrestleMania 30, um, I think I need to bring a clean change of underwear with me. <laughs> okay, so we'll move on from that and that underwear um, joke, which um, <laughs> is from Mikey Thompson, um, who went with us from WrestleMania 29, who Mike um, had the 
in inverted commas pleasure of meeting. <laughs> um, so we'll go number five, Rock Austin. Number four, Undertaker Kane. Number three, Brett Austin. Number two, Brett Sean. And number one, Austin McMahon. Um, if you can't tell, Mikey Thompson is a huge Bret Hart fan. So we'll go with number three, Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, thoughts on this, Mike? And then I'll give my thoughts on Bret versus Austin. Uh, yeah, I, I, the the matches that Austin and and Bret Hart had just absolutely absolutely amazing. Um, the, the the whole Austin passing out with the blood running down his face, um, you know, kind of you know, just just reaching for the rope, can't can't quite get there to break the hold. Um, Bret Hart actually winning the match, but Austin not submitting. I think that that really was the Really, like the uh, the the linchpin of what started Stone Cold's uh, real real badass uh, gimmick. So for yeah. me, that is like the most memorable match in that feud for me. I think he said whenever he's like pushing up, and the blood is going down his face, and it just goes down on his tooth as well. Just um, just shows you what a badass character that Austin really was. And then the um, you know Austin kind of getting revered as the character you know coming in and then the kind of the double switch happening where Austin's like a face and Bret Hart's you know like he hits America but still like a huge deal whenever he goes to Canada um they also had some other matches you know like Survivor Series I think they had a match whenever um Austin's in the ring and he's talking to Brian Pillman and then calls Bret Hart out and has a match at Survivor Series so um, their feud was very good as well um, obviously as I said you know like there is ones there that we will talk about in due course like Brett, Sean etc we're not just kind of boycotting that but we're just kind of picking out what kind of stands like this at the moment um, so that's that um, so you're up next for the next list then Mr. Lacey uh, next list comes from Paul York uh, and he says, you know what? This is such a difficult top five to do, which, which was the point. It's supposed to be difficult. <laughs> Can't let you guys off easy. No. <laughs> uh, I, hope, uh, I hope others found this as tough as I did, which I think that they did. Yes. Uh, his number five was Jake the Snake Roberts versus Undertaker from 1992. Number four, Triple H versus Mick Foley from late 99 to early 2000. Number three, Diamond Dallas Page versus Randy Savage from, WW, or from WCW. Number two, The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels leading up to WrestleMania 26. And number one, Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho in their 2007 feud. So you pick something that we talk about then? Uh, how about Undertaker, Shawn Michaels okay. leading into, the, into WrestleMania 26? Now, what did, what did, you, what did you think of that? Uh, for, it was kind of the, the beginning of the golden best of the best Undertaker-WrestleMania matches. Shawn Michaels has always said that he's Mr. WrestleMania, which I can say without a shadow of a doubt that he is. But I wonder what would have happened to Shawn Michaels and to The Undertaker's legacy and careers if Shawn Michaels hadn't come back from that one-night-only match with Triple H at SummerSlam 2002. Shawn Michaels then went on to have some of his best matches, you know, with Kurt Angle, with The Undertaker, you know, with... John Cena with whoever he was kind of put the ring with um, obviously WrestleMania 25 or the Royal Rumble there was a Royal Rumble I think it was maybe 2008-2009 wherever they were the two last men in the ring and then those two went at it and you're like my goodness this is brilliant and then a couple of years later we had the WrestleMania 25 match 
and twenty and then twenty six. So twenty six was whenever uh Undertaker was a champion and Michaels wanted to have a match, Undertaker kept saying no. Undertaker was in the elimination chamber and Shawn Michaels comes up, super kicks him and then um I think it's Jericho wins the belt from the Undertaker. And Shawn Michaels kind of goes, get your revenge, and then puts his career on the line, and you're like, I don't want either man to lose. But <laughs> I think, you know, Shawn Michaels did it best on the biggest stage. I don't think anyone could touch him on the biggest stage. I don't think anyone could touch him in the ring as it was. You know, like, I think Shawn Michaels was just... was in my eyes you know like people say like who's the best wrestler all time is Ric Flair's or Ricky Steamboat for me Shawn Michaels is one of the best of all times you know like I've ne- never ever watched a Shawn Michaels match and went well that was not boring that was not entertaining you know like etc but just like the matches that he had the as I said the lead up to WrestleMania 26 even the one leading up to 25 the light versus the dark was brilliant um, as well so I've kind of ranted a bit on that there, but um, that's what we're here to talk about. But yeah, just leading up to WrestleMania 26, and then you know, I'm super kicking him in the Elimination Chamber was just um, very good. So, what are your thoughts on stuff that I maybe have not said, which is maybe nothing? No, I mean you you covered it all. I mean, just the the two the two WrestleMania matches were quite possibly two of the Undertaker's best matches ever. Period. Um, and this is really, you know, right in there, 25, 26, 27, 28, really is where we started seeing the, the Undertaker, uh, you know, one, one night a year only kind of, uh, yeah. kind of thing. Um, and the fact that, you know, you can only wrestle one time a year and really pull the kind of matches that, that he pulled out was absolutely amazing and was a big credit to Shawn Michaels. Um, really working with the Undertaker and and, and helping him, helping him through that. E- even when he was doing the the special referee uh, thing with uh, Triple H in his match um, in the Hell in the Cell, you could just see the chemistry between the two of them and that they worked so well together. So yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that being one of the top feuds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next one is from Josh Crean, who, um, number five, Jeff Hardy versus CM Punk. It says, I know it's not a big feud, but it was the first one that I saw. Number four is John Cena versus CM Punk when they were both WWE champion. Number three is Undertaker versus Kane. Number two is Triple H versus Shawn Michaels. And number one is Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Uh, so we're going to talk probably about Jeff Hardy versus CM Punk because, again, not one that'll appear in a lot of people's lists. So, Mike, I ranted about the last one. You can rant about this one if you remember <laughs> much about this one. Um, I enjoyed the interaction between Sam Punk and Jeff Hardy. Um, I guess it was uh, SummerSlam 2007 with the, the, uh, the ladder match between the two of them. Just absolutely phenomenal. Um, not to mention the end with The Undertaker <laughs> coming in after, after the match was over. But I just remember with that feud, the whole... The whole lead up with CM Punk putting on the uh, putting on the makeup and going around acting and impersonating Jeff Hardy, um, the whole straight edge thing where Jeff Hardy had some very well known demons, some well known uh, run-ins with substance abuse, and CM Punk used that to his advantage to get into Jeff Hardy's head, um, doing what CM Punk does, um, just absolutely classic. 
Um, as far as in the ring, I, I know a lot of people don't see a lot of people have a love hate relationship with Jeff Hardy as well. Um, I've always been on the love side of that relationship. Um, I've kind of been on the other side. <laughs> what I have. Um, just the. That just the high flying ability that he has, and the things that he can do in the ring. That you know, just the bumps that he'll take. Um, I, I I know that your favorite wrestler in the world, Mick Foley, is, is known for taking so many crazy bumps. But Jeff Hardy is, is the exact same way. Um, That's probably and, why I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> just the things that he'll do from the top of a ladder or the top of a cage. Uh, you know, doing a you know a swanton off a ladder that you, you can see is ready to fall over as he's just gaining momentum, um, going through two or three tables you know at a time. I've always been a big Jeff Hardy fan, and I'm a huge CM Punk fan. CM Punk is my favorite wrestler of this generation. Um, so to see the two of them go at it to to me was a lot of fun. So that's a, a feud that I remember very fondly. Yeah. Um, wasn't it those two that had the match then and Jeff Hardy lost his career and then he had to leave WWE mm-hmm. was in a cage match if memory serves uh, but yeah I mean Jeff Hardy will always be known as in inverted commas the spot monkey you know like he would do a lot of the high flying stuff whereas Matt would kind of be more kind of you know ground based and you know take a leg drop off the top turnbuckle that kind of thing um, but yeah, I, I'm. I, we were talking about this the other day, uh, guys in work and myself, and I was saying that with the likes of Jeff Hardy, I'm amazed that he could still wrestle, let alone walk, with some of the stuff that he's done throughout the years. You know, like I'm sure whenever he gets to, um, you know, like his retirement age, he's going to be kind of sore all over. You know, like <laughs> um, you know, b- barely able to walk or whatever. But um, you know, like. A lot of people like Jeff Hardy. I'm just I'm not one of those people, unfortunately. But I get the fact that people will like him because of what he can do, you know. Whereas people may have liked Rey Mysterio back in the day because of what he could be able to do. Whereas now he can't really do that much, unfortunately. <laughs> so next list, then, sir. All right, the next list comes from Jobber Justin Treese, um, and he has in apparently no particular order: uh, Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels. Undertaker versus Mankind, Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, Raven versus the Sandman, and Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys. Said he had to get a tag team in there somewhere. Uh, each one of these feuds got me on the edge of my seat every night watching them, and the pay per views were always epic. So, what one are we going to talk about now, then? How about Razor versus Sean? Uh, that's okay. I thought you were going to say Raven versus Sam. I was like, no, because I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Uh, Razor versus Sean um, was such a good feud. Um, obviously, we have the you know the the well very well remembered uh, ladder match from WrestleMania ten. Um, but the whole the whole thing with the dual championships, um, with the two belts going around, um, Razor having the belt, uh, having Sean's belt, uh, and Sean and Sean wanting to reclaim it. Um, for me, that was something that I hadn't seen before. Um, a bit gimmicky, but something that stood out as different. Um, now, we've seen that kind of thing since, but that was really the first time that I remember. Um, I know that the Razor vs. Sean, um, the WrestleMania 10 match, wasn't the very first uh, ladder match, mm-hmm. but it was the first one that I 
it, it's really it's the first one that comes to everybody's mind when yeah, you I think, think the first, of the ladder match. I think it's the first one that everyone had seen, and you know, like it's the match known as Shawn Michaels went out there and had a match with the ladder. You know, like and then Razor Ramon just happened to be there. From what people <laughs> say, you know, from what Ric Flair says, you know, but. Um, yeah, it was the first time that I'd seen, you know, champion versus champion, because Shawn Michaels talks about it in his DVD and says that, you know, like, he's suspended and said, like, we're taking the belt. Uh, no, you're not. And it's like, it's our belt. We're taking it. And like, come and get it, you know, and then that's why they decided to do that, which was a good idea, you know, like, and obviously they revisited that later later on in, in time with John Cena versus CM Punk. Right. Okay. Uh, is that all you have to say on the matter? Sorry, <laughs> or did I just cut you off? I didn't know if I'd cut you off or whatever because I went like, right, okay. No, no, I said everything that I had to say. It's just um, for me, Razor wasn't that big of a deal for me until this feud and this rivalry. This really mm-hmm. put this, you know, this really put him on the map. Um, I know that he that Scott Hall went on to WCW and the whole NWO thing, and a lot of people remember him specifically for that. But for me, this really was what I remember Scott Hall for. Okay. Okay. Um, Chris Gwilliam, uh, G. William, I hope I said your name right, sir. Bar 24 Par on YouTube. Go and check him out as well. Uh, great guy and uh, does some great uh, videos. Uh, does like a lot of VHS reviews, things that aren't actually released in DVD. Um, so... Number five is Matt Hardy versus Edge from 2005. Lifting the veil on the reality of a life in the road, though not a long rivalry, it certainly was a very personal one. Number four, The Rock versus Austin. The two most popular stars of their generation, whenever these two were scheduled to meet, magic ensued, not just in the ring but on the microphone, creating some of the, uh, those epic confrontations and eventually resulting in the Rattlesnake's retirement. Uh, number three, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart truly set the standard for rivalries. These guys innovative with their battles, the ladder match, the Arma match, not to mention the pinnacle of their in-ring rivalry, creating possibly the most infamous moment in wrestling history. This was incredible. Um, number two, Austin versus McMahon. The rivalry that captured and defined a generation and possibly the most uh, relatable many ever will get the blue collar worker versus the boss fulfilling his, the fantasy almost everyone will have at some point in their life flipping off your boss before opening the can of whip bass on him or her um, WWE versus WCW is number one not the watered down though good invasion angle 2001 the Monday Night War wrestling fans choosing their sides real life sabotage and prick unpredictability of who was going to be where though this wasn't a rivalry resolved between the ropes this rivalry was more than championships pride or skill it was surely about survival of the fittest so pick one then Mr. Lacey let's talk about the Monday Night Wars oh my that's such a good pick (laughs) Um, I was never around for the Monday Night Wars sadly I know that you had attended some of the um Attitude Era house shows and you know like tapings and things uh, back in the day. So I'll let you kind of go on a little bit about this before I give my two cents. Uh, the the Monday Night Wars were such it was such a dynamic time in in wrestling. That whole that whole era that pretty much lasted between you know like ninety five and you know, right to the beginning of of, of the two thousands. Um, the whole 
DX, uh, you know, riding up the road with the tank to invade Monday Nitro. Uh, it was just absolutely amazing. Um, you had all of the all of the staple WWF wrestlers that had defected, the Hulk Hogan's, the Randy Savages, uh, the Bret Hart's, uh, you know, that, that went over at the time and really took a lot of the fan base with them. A lot, you know, a lot of your WWF wrestlers, you know, when Hogan went over to WCW, they left with him. Um, so that was really something that McMahon had to combat. And, and that is where we... That's where we saw the beginning of the Attitude Era. That's where we saw the WWF take such a dramatic turn because you had the old school fans watching WCW, you're, you know, and, and this is before the NWO, the, the whole where when Hogan went over, it was still the, you know, eat your vitamins, say your prayers and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, Vince really had to do something different and that's where we saw the birth of Austin 316 and that's where we saw the birth of Degeneration X and through competition a lot of times you see the best of the best uh, you know, the, the cream of the crop rise to the top uh, mm-hmm. hey I'm a poet and I didn't even know it uh- <laughs> <laughs> the cream of the crop remains to the top so sweet to be sour yes you are a poet but um, I don't know if you would have gotten all of that if you hadn't had this rivalry, this 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 Monday Night Wars rivalry, um, we got and and once, you know, one WCW was winning. They were winning the war in, until they gave the result of the Mick Foley match where he won the title, and then everybody switched over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably wouldn't have to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it was such a dynamic thing. You had, this during this time, like I said, you had Austin and you had Degeneration X in WWF slash WWE. Um, and then on the other side, you got the creation of the NWO, the, the most famous stable in all of wrestling history, um, which was absolutely phenomenal at the beginning and then kind of petered out when basically... The entire roster of the WCW was in the Usually NWO. Usually, petered out whenever Virgil <laughs> slash Vincent joined it. In my opinion, you know, because why was he there? Nobody needed to see that at all. You know, it's it's pretty. You, you know, it's pretty bad. You know, because it ended up basically being the NWO versus Sting and Goldberg. You know, yeah. is what it ended up being. And, and then you know that it's getting old and running its course when you need to have a a, a faction split from a faction and create another faction. <laughs> and have the NWO red versus the NWO white, and you know, it, it kind of got convoluted and whatnot. But in its beginning, um, it was absolutely revolutionary, um, something that we had never seen before. Um, the whole, uh, you know, I spoke a little bit earlier about Scott Hall being, you know, mainly known for this. You know, for for me, the the Michaels and Ramon feud put him on the map in my eyes. But for a lot of people, the NWO, the whole thing with Kevin Nash, um, not many people at the time because the internet was in its absolute infancy, um, and yeah. not not many people had you know the internet when I so not many people knew about the click until afterwards, um, you know, and and the the whole thing that happened in Madison Square Garden where they broke kayfabe and and and, and all that kind of thing, um, so you really saw with Hall and Nash, really. Coming to their own when they, you know, when they started, you know, uh, the Wolfpack 
and started the NWO here in, in the WCW. And that really sprung them to the top. So I, I think that in the history of, of, of wrestling, you really got the, for me, in, in, in my opinion anyway, the best era of wrestling came out of this, this Monday Night Wars era. Okay. All right. Um, obviously, we had the WWE versus TNA uh, Monday Night War, which lasted all of about two weeks, and <laughs> TNA just went back to doing Thursday nights. So, Mike, uh, next list, please. Next list comes from Ian Boniface. Um, his top five is number five, RVD versus Jerry Lynn. Number four, Stone Cold and Brian Pillman. Number three, Tipple, uh, yeah, Tipple, Triple H and McFoley. Number two, Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter. And number one, the Alliance feud. Okay. So which one would you like to talk about? Um, well, all right. Well, we just talked about the Monday Night Wars. Um, let's talk about the end of the Monday Night War and the takeover that occurred and the, in, and the Alliance uh, feud that ensued from that. Okay. You go first. Um, you go first because uh, let's just say that somebody is calling and I have to answer. So you go ahead and talk yours and then I'll be back in two seconds, okay? <laughs> I'll be back in two seconds. Um, I, I really think that when Shane and Stephanie bought both uh, WCW and ECW and we had that uh, the simulcasting of the, uh, the Monday Night uh, Nitro and Monday Night Raw, the last, I guess it was like 10, 15 minutes of it where... Shane unveiled that he had bought the WCW. Um, I thought that it was really good. I really liked the fact that that happened. Um, that we eventually had um, Booker T uh, invade w- uh, WWE Raw, um, and then we had the likes of Lance Storm and Diamond Dallas Page, and a lot of the WCW roster uh, kind of integrated into the WWE roster, and that ended up leading into the you know the the survivor series match the WWE versus the WW or the WCW slash ECW alliance the part for me where it broke down was where we had most of the alliance ended up being WWE superstars so that was kind of i guess the culmination of it ended up being fairly fairly weak. The match at WC, uh, at uh, Survivor Series was strong, mm-hmm. but I, I think that the fact that they had to rely on infusing WWE talent into the Alliance feud, for me, ended up... What started off strong and hot ended up being kind of weak in my eyes. I never really thought of it that way, that, you know, like, say, Angle and Austin are with the Alliance, and, you know, I never really thought of it that way. Like, I'd never really watched a lot of WCW, so seeing the likes of, say, DDP and the whole, you know, Undertaker, Make Me Famous kind of thing, the whole Booker T thing coming out and Scissor Kicking Vince, and just things like that, you know, a lot of the wrestlers that I'd never seen before, so then seeing this feud you know and seeing Austin doing the heel turn where he sides with the alliance was a, was good but then I didn't like what they were doing with the whole Austin character and the whole hugging Vince thing and that kind of that kind of stuff um I do like watching those matches you know like the inaugural brawl but you know as you say it's best whenever it's 
I think it's something that they could have went on for years. You know, like instead of having SmackDown, you could have had WCW, and then bragging rights, you could have had that kind of like a crossover, right? Yeah, exactly. You could have had that kind of mix of pay per view. Um, you know, obviously they had kind of done that thing with the ECW One Night Stand, um, which was quite good as well. But again, it was something that kind of outstayed its welcome, in my opinion. Um, with the likes of December to December, which is just December to nobody wants to remember, um, <laughs> because it's just one of the. I remember watching it; it's just one of the worst pay per views I think I've ever seen in my life. Well, I think but, it's the. I think it's the opposite of what I was talking about with the Monday Night War, where through competition, you kind of get the most creative uh, outcomes. Once there was no more competition, I, I think that, and and everything was under the thumb of WWE. I think that. Vince kind of just wanted to squash the WCW guys. And, you know, we've seen what happened to the WCW championship. You know, when Triple H ended up winning it and, tur- and, and it ended up turning into the world title, um, it was pretty much the, the end of the WCW. And now we see that the world title is, you know, definitely the second tier title. It's still the same, but it's still, it's still the same belt, which I do like that they kept the same, you know, the same yes. aesthetic to the belt. Um, yeah. to, to me, it's definitely the more better-looking belt, the more prestigious-looking championship belt. That's uh, why it's on my wall. <laughs> but it's definitely second tier, and I think that's part of Vince just saying that, hey, you know, the WWE is my baby, and we're going to be on top of you know the historic uh, you know, WCW belt, you know, one way or the other. Okay. Okay, uh, next one is Craig Gravis. Uh, Craig, WWE t-shirt guy on YouTube. Go and check him out. He does a video near enough each week, so go and check him out. Number five, Brett versus Austin. Number four, Kurt versus Eddie. Number three, Austin versus Vince. Number two, Austin versus Undertaker during ministry time. And number one, Rock versus Triple H. My sister would support The Rock, and he would support Triple H. So I think we'll probably go with number four in this one, Kurt versus Eddie, Mike. Okay. Um, obviously two greats uh, one sadly no longer with us sadly one of them has too many demons um, that they need to get rid of you know what's that number four or five in his DUI <laughs> um, just these matches between the two of them um, just the you know like Eddie in the ring with Kurt's um, like the big plaque thing that has the belt in it and Kurt with Paul Heyman and his wheelchair whenever he was like GM and the cast and the medals that he was selling things like that um, it was WrestleMania 21 match obviously which or 21 was it yes it was 21 wasn't it what was tw- yes I'm pretty 20, sure 20 sorry no it was 20 20, 20 because 21 was Shawn Michaels versus yes. Kurt Angle um, and then that match you know the way Eddie won was brilliant and Kurt trying to go for the ankle lock Eddie slipping off his boot um, I just loved Kurt Ankle whenever he was whenever he was a heel but he was like a, he was like silly almost <laughs> you know like obviously you know like whenever he's celebrating and he's pouring milk on Undertaker's bike and then Undertaker says you know you've wrecked my bike and he comes down with a wee moped for him <laughs> I, I just love you know like Milkomania going wild but Kurt Angle for me, both of these guys, you know, had just some great, great matches. Uh, what are your thoughts on Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero? Uh, simply just two of the best in the ring performers that that from our lifetime. Um, it's a shame that 
Eddie was taken too soon. Um, both both gentlemen having their demons. Um, it seemed like Eddie was kind of turning the corner and, and coming back, and then obviously we know what happened there. Um, I think I just would have liked to seen more matches between the two. I, I think that they were absolutely gold matches that um, just matches that you just watch the sheer ability in the ring and just are in awe. Yes. So definitely one of the one of the fonder memories I have. Okay. And next list for you, sir. Next match come next list comes from Stuart Clemson. Uh says here we go. Number five, The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Number four, Taz versus Sabu. Number three, Kane versus The Undertaker. Number two, Homicide versus Colt Cabana from ROH. And number one, ROH versus CZW. So, does anything stand out here that you want to talk about? Well, we haven't talked about Kane versus The Undertaker, which obviously Mr. Big Red 1990 on YouTube would be very, very annoyed at. So, I think we'll talk <laughs> about that. So, you go first, sir. Um, I really liked this whole I really like this whole dynamic um we always had you know Kane or sorry uh, Undertaker and Paul Bearer um aside from the whole beginning with brother love kind of thing um they were always synonymous and to see Paul Bearer turn his back on the Undertaker and and bring in Kane I just thought was just the coolest thing um I thought that Kane at the at the beginning there was just such a just a great concept um, the whole the I think the mask served well, um, because uh, they, you know Glenn Jacobs doesn't you know look like the Undertaker, so I think that he needed the mask and the whole I think the whole concept of him you know having been burned in a fire um, and whatnot, and then eventually Undertaker being blamed for it. Um, yeah. The the whole guilt trip that uh, Paul Bearer put on The Undertaker. This was such a psychological feud. Um, even though they're both very good in the ring for, for big men, um, I think you you needed that because a lot of times big man versus big man in the ring, it, it, it appeals to a certain audience, but you know the, the newer audience um, that we were getting at the time, we, you know, we were right in the middle of the whole Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart thing, the whole um, smaller, more agile wrestler. Uh, the high flying was really starting to come into its own here. Um, so to have a few, you know, a, more of a classic WWF feud, you know, giant versus giant and big guy versus big guy. I think that in order to please the crowd, you needed to have the whole psychological aspect to it. And I think that this really took the cake as far as that was concerned. Um, during his during his initial run, I was a really huge Kane fan. Um, absolutely loved Kane. I'm not so hot on him anymore after the, probably from the from the unmasking on. But mm-hmm. this whole original Kane um, initial run, I thought was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I also enjoyed that where after the feud we got the Brothers of Destruction tag team. Um, I, that was very enjoyable. Um, yeah, just a, a lot of good memories for Undertaker and Kane. Yeah, um, 
obviously Chris, Mr. Big, uh, Chris Hill is a huge Kane fan. Um, so unfortunately he's been on holiday, so that's why we don't have a list from him. But this would probably be up there. Obviously WrestleMania 20, um, Survivor Series 2003 was Undertaker versus Vince McMahon in a buried alive match. Um, Kane comes out, buries Undertaker, and then we don't see him until WrestleMania 20. You know, the whole, I buried you, you're not real, and kind of touching him, and then seeing the Undertaker come back with <laughs> Paul Bearer. Um, that, for me, is the feud, you know, that I remember. The Money in the Bank, you know, um, the 2010 feud um, between the two of them was very good as well. You know, like um, Kane coming out and reading Undertaker's... Um, you know, eulogy. Every time I go to say eulogy, all I can think of is Zoolander and Ukulele. That's what I keep going to say, and that's why I have to correct myself. Um, but yeah, just these two are great. Um, but for me, the Kane that I know, you know, you said about the unmasking, the 2001 Kane for me is kind of my definitive Kane. Um, I don't think they should have taken the mask off him at all. And, you know, it's something that they can't really, they'll never do like Sin Cara or Rey Mysterio. Um, because of their heritage mm-hmm. whereas I think Kane now kind of has got back to where he was um, but whether we'll see these two facing off again you know whenever Chris met Kane at WrestleMania 29 the WrestleMania Access and went the Undertaker sorry and asked if him and Kane would have like another altercation or anything he goes well you never know and that night on Raw was whenever Undertaker <laughs> was in the middle of the ring and then Kane came out so that meant a lot to Chris because you know the Undertaker kind of smirked whenever he said it to Chris so um you know, I I agree with you. I think these two, you know, big men. You know, it's not like the Ultimate Warrior and Hercules, whereas Gene Oakland says, would you know, or Ted DiBiase said that these uh, matches would have to be short and sweet mm-hmm. um, because it would stink up the joint. Whereas these ones here obviously didn't. So I would agree with you with saying that it was a, a notable feud there. Okay, I'll go on to Rory Bradfield, who kind of um, writes a paragraph, so I'll see if I can decrypt this. So he says, wow, what a question to ponder. I really enjoyed Mounty versus Big Box Man, not a long-lasting feud. Mr. Perfect versus Texas Tornado. Oh yes, Rick Martel versus Jake the Snake. They had a good feud. Not really sure what others. Then he says, Ted DiBiase versus Jake the Snake Roberts. I suppose. And finally, Flair versus Mr. Perfect, which eventually spilled into WCW, where it took a nosedive. So just really WWF, so forget WCW. <laughs> also, he mentions one that nobody else has mentioned. A couple here. Shawn Michaels versus Marty Jannetty was something, and Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler is one of the most longer feuds, but I'm, he's happy with his picks. Uh, so his picks were uh, the Mountie versus Big Boss Man, Mr. Perfect versus Texas Tornado, Mr. Perfect versus Ric Flair, Ted DiBiase versus Jake the Snake Roberts, and Jake the Snake Roberts versus Model Rick Martel. And then it says, Phew, great to say WrestleShock is back to doing lists. So thanks for that, Rory. Um, uh, thank you very much for that. Um, so what ones would you like to talk about there, um, Mike? Um one of my favorite feuds, um, obviously it, it didn't make the list or, or anything, because it, it was fairly short and, and sweet, but one that I remember from back in the day was the Mr. Perfect versus Texas Tornado, um, the whole Kerry Von Eric feud. For me, that was the, when I really kind of got into wrestling hardcore, that was the Intercontinental title feud you know, for you know, perfect was you know, perfect and Texas Tornado feuding over the Intercontinental title uh, 
over the Intercontinental title belt. Um, and I think I mentioned it when we uh, talked about um, top five Intercontinental champions um, when we talked about Perfect. For me, the Perfect feud, the Perfect feud, the Mr. Perfect <laughs> feud <laughs> that sticks out in my mind over any others is the one with the Texas Tornado. I don't remember any of the matches because um, I was fairly young um, and I haven't gone back and revisited them. But just in my mind's eye, I remember I look back at that feud very fondly. See, for me, it would be Ric Flair versus Mr. Perfect. Um, I just remember watching that and um, just seeing the um, whole, um, you know, like loser leaves Raw match wherever Ric Flair goes back to WCW. Obviously, it's on like the um, Raw uh, 15th anniversary DVD set as well. Um, so that for me was a big. Uh, big deal. The Mountie versus Big Boss Man. I remember uh, Mountie going to jail and then just somebody saying like, "Well, hi there," and he's going like, "Let me out, help!" <laughs> um, I just thought that was pretty funny as well. Um, but on to the next list for you then, sir. And our final list, uh, aside from the two of us uh, that we had submitted via text here on the emails, was from Jock- John Clarkson. Uh, his number five was Ric Flair versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, number four, Kane versus Undertaker. Three, the Hardys versus the Dudleys versus Edge and Christian. Number two, the Rock versus Stone Cold. And number one, WWF versus WCW, uh, which also includes the Alliance run from 2001. Okay. So we haven't talked about the triple threat tag team uh, rivalry here, the Hardys and the Dudleys and Edge and Christian. Um, no. Why don't you take us away with what you remember from that feud? Um, WrestleMania 2000, I remember, you know, like, seeing, like, a lot of, um, I think that one there was one that I kind of watched a bit of, WrestleMania 16, um, was whenever we had the triangle ladder match, um, between the three of them, that was obviously where it all kind of started for me, and then just, like, some of the insane stuff they would come off with was absolutely ridiculous, um, I don't, you know, like, I get the fact that, you know, they put their bodies on the line and stuff, but just some of the spots they were coming off was absolutely ridiculous. Um, Then the the next year, WrestleMania 17, they do it again, but they make it worse. (laughs) It's tables and it's ladders and it's chairs going everywhere. Yeah, indeed. Um, But that was just... Just seeing some of the matches being put together, the few, you know, like rivalries between them, you know, um, you know, we see in, uh, I think it's Edge's set that we see, you know, like the uh, Hardys thinking that they're it, and Edge and Christian kind of, you know, saying, well, you you think you're it, but you know, you're really not, and kind of, you know, walking away from them. Uh, but just for me, it just seeing the spots, and you know, like these are timeless, timeless tag team matches. Um, for me, obviously, you know these are three great tag teams in their own right but having these matches and just seeing some of the stuff they come off with you were wondering how do they top that you know in the ladder match how do they top that and they go out and do that and it's the same case of you know the, like the money in the bank matches how do they top that and year in year out they seem to it's ridiculous no, absolutely I, I, I was a huge ECW fan um, obviously I know I live in the Northeast. I live right outside of Philadelphia. So ECW was a big thing here um, in the mid '90s, and the Dudleys were. You know, when when you thought of ECW, one of the first names that came to mind was the Dudley Boys, and the whole 
there's just just their whole gimmick um, was just so it was so original and so good. Yeah. Um, and to see them come into the WWE was like a, a breath of fresh air. We had had Edge and Christian versus the Hardys started all the way back in the Brood days. You know, Edge, Edge and Christian being the Brood, and then Matt and Jeff being the new Brood. Um, and and we had had them fighting on and off for a long time, um, but once the Dudleys got infused as a third tag team, it really brought a, do, a, a new dynamic to the whole thing. Um, and you, you you talked about um, WrestleMania uh, WrestleMania 17 uh, with the tables, ladders, and chairs. For for me, I think that the SummerSlam 2000 TLC, the the first one to me was more of the standout one. I thought that was. Just so innovative. We we've seen table matches, we've seen ladder matches. This is the first time that we saw tables and ladders and chairs all combined in just one of the most crazy things that you most craziest things that you could have thought of at the time. Um, and it was just so just so awesome to see. Uh, you you had high flyers, um, you know, Jeff being such a high flyer and Edge as well. Um, and but then to see the you know to see the uh, the Dudleys come in with their big man ground attack, just the the meshing of the styles to me was just such a perfect blend. Um, and at at, the, at this point, I you you to me you can't say any of these tag team names without thinking of the others. Yes, they are. You know, like as soon as you say Edge and Christian, you go then the Dudleys and the Hardys. Exactly. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, so it's time for our list, Dan. Alrighty. Okay. So we're going to go number five. So, do you want to start, or do you want me to start? Um, I'll start. Okay. Um, you go number five, and then I'll go number five. All right. For me, number five is Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam. Okay. Number five for me is Chris Jericho versus CM Punk. Um, for me, number four is Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. Number four for me is Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ric Flair. And I was going to almost be uh, the Ultimate Warrior, but I'll explain why it's this shortly. Number three for me, Hulk Hogan versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. Number three for me is Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Number two for me is Austin versus The Rock. Number two for me is Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. And number one for me is Austin versus McMahon. And number one for me is Austin versus The Rock. So we had the same participants at number one and number three there. So <laughs> you talk us through um, your list there, Mike. Um, for for me, Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam uh, was just... It wasn't necessarily a feud so much as it was a in-ring rivalry. Um, just the, for, for me, this is the best in-ring feud ever. Just the two of them had such a great style that really worked together. Um, their matches from Hardcore Heaven 99 and Living Dangerously 99, just just the epitome for me. I, I know everybody thinks of ECW as blood and gore and you know these uh, barbed wire matches and stuff like that. And, and it had all of that, but um, it had just some of the best in-ring performances, you know, we got, uh, you know, we we uh, we got we had Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Captain Planet. Yeah, they, yeah. you know, uh, Ray, you know, Ray Mysterio. I know you're not a big Ray Mysterio fan, but like 
the matches between Rey Mysterio and Psychosis and, and stuff like that were just so good. And we've seen other other folks on Matt, you know, uh, put uh, feuds on the list like Taz and Sabu and Tommy Dreamer versus Raven and, you know, just such good uh, rivalries. But for me, when I, I think of ECW, I think of Jerry Lynn and Rob Van Dam. Um, and and I, I don't watch much TNA, but um, they brought these two back for Bound for, Bound for Glory in, two, in 2011. And 12 years later, they still hadn't, they still hadn't missed a beat. Just, just absolutely amazing. Um, for me, a lot of people aren't big RVD fans. I love RVD. Um, yeah, me too. I, I know that his attitude um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> rubs people a lot, uh, the wrong way a lot. But um, just the things that he can do in the ring, um, I, I know I'm, I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this, but for me, the five-star frog splash belongs to Rob Van Dam. I, I know I'll catch some flack from Alan for that no, one. Ed, but. Eddie says that his is different from RVD's. It, it you is. Know, you know, um, whereas I would say that Eddie's RVD seems to kind of stretch out a bit more and kind of, you know, make his... It's almost like he's trying to bend himself backwards. It's trying, like he's trying to touch his toes in midair. And a lot of times, Eddie would make that turn midair, like he would yeah. twist a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, just absolutely phenomenal feud in my eyes. Um, I know a lot of people when they think ECW, um, a lot of the younger fans um, think of the WWE version of ECW, um, which was good in its own right, but was didn't hold a candle to Paul Heyman's ECW. If you have not seen these matches, go back and relive, uh, you know, Hardcore Heaven 99 and Living Dangerously 99. And if you have not seen Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam, you need to go take a look and see just what classic matches these two had. Okay. Obviously, (laughs) uh, (laughs) obviously Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. um, We've been, it's been on almost every single list and, and we've waited to talk about it until now. Um, Everybody knows about the Montreal screw job, and that's kind of the first thing that everybody thinks of when they think of Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. But for me, um, it just it there's just such a long-standing um, working relationship with these two, going all the way back to the Rockers versus the Hart Foundations. Um, there are different matches over the tag team titles. Um, again, we talked about WrestleMania 10 being the you know the the first ladder match that everybody remembers, but the actual first ladder match was between these two, was between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, the very first WWE ladder match um, when they were in their Intercontinental feud. Um, the Iron Man match from WrestleMania 12. Just such great, just such great matches. Again, such great in-ring performances. Two guys that really didn't like each other. Uh, yeah. it, it, you know, it wasn't just kayfabe. You know, they, these two just did not like each other um, on a personal level. And you could tell in the ring that it really brought that extra intensity. Um, it, it really shone through, and they were prof- they were enough of professionals to use it to their advantage and create just such such sparks and intensity in the ring. Um, so a- absolutely deserving of my number four spot. Um, number for th- number three for me was Hogan versus Piper, um, and that really. My dad took me to see WrestleMania 1 uh, at the Spectrum on closed circuit TV. Um, like the precursor of pay-per-view, you would go to the arena and they would show it on the big screen. 
and uh, you know the whole thing with the war to settle the score, um, the whole thing between Piper and Cindy Lauper, and that really created WrestleMania. You know that that was yeah. what you know Vince centered WrestleMania around, and we've seen what that's done for for the wrestling industry. You wouldn't have Wrestle you would not have WrestleMania 30 next year without Piper versus Hogan. Um, just absolutely phenomenal. Um, now you would think that with Hogan being as big as he was, and as much as Piper was very over, P- Piper was really. Um, the first big guy on the mic that I can remember, the first guy that really took over the mic and used that um, more to his advantage than to than you know his in ring abilities. Yeah. Yes. So he kind of was, you know, he was the precursor of the Rock. He was the precursor of what we see now with CM Punk and The Miz, and how mic work is such a big part of the industry today. That all for me anyway, as early as I can remember, that all started with Roddy Roddy Piper. Um, the fact that he never got a WWE title run is an absolute disgrace. Um, the, you know, the best he ever got was an intercontinental, a short-lived intercontinental run. Um, but he didn't need it. it you know, this was back in the day when not every wrestler needed a title run um, to be over. And Piper was just that, he was just that over. Um, and obviously, the most important thing that came out of this title run was you know, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Pretend <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see that. <laughs> say that even. That's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, this was actually on. Uh, at the, whenever Mike and I have finished talking, there's going to be two other videos, and one of them's Alan Price's. Um, and Alan's, one of his favorite feuds is the same as yours, Mike. Um, so he'll be all thrilled with that. <laughs> Um, number two for me was Austin versus The Rock. Um, and this was just such... This was wrestling in in the in the late 90s. Um, going from the Intercontinental feud um, with Austin throwing the belt into the river and, you know, the, just... It, it didn't get any better than this as far as a feud in, in the mid-90s. You were either an Austin fan or you were a Rock fan. Um, and it really divided... Uh, it really divided wrestling fandom right down the middle. Um, the whole, you know, Rock going from the from the people's champ to being the corporate champ, um, just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, WrestleMania 15, 17, and 19, just great matches that I will never ever forget. Um, and you see, while watching more watching Stone Cold's DVD than watching the Rock's DVD. Um, when you watch Stone Cold's DVD, you can really see the love that the two of them have for each other. Um, the fact that Austin pretty much said that The Rock, uh, you know, a- along with McMahon, but the-, the Rock really, as far as working with him, really defined his career. Um, the fact that when The Rock finally won um, at 19, that... He the the Rock took the title and 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 pretty much left the ring and let Austin have his moment with the fans in his last match. Um, it was just absolutely the wrestling feud for me in the Attitude Era, which is my favorite era of wrestling. Okay. Um, 
I'll talk about mine in a minute. And <laughs> your number one then? And for number one for me was Austin versus McMahon because that was the attitude. Bad pawn to the head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, just this, ma- this made Austin what he was. Austin really, um, you know, stunning Steve Austin in the WCW and, you know, the whole, you know, um, the whole run he had there that, that you could see that he had potential. Um, and he left WCW, you know, Bischoff fired him and, and Paul Heyman brought him into ECW and he basically cut a few promos and stuff like that. Um, and then Vince McMahon brought him into the WWE as the ringmaster and you could you could see that there was something behind that, and McMahon allowed Austin to change the gimmick and take the ball and run with it. Um, we we saw the birth of Austin three sixteen, a king of the ring, um, and he never looked back from from that on. Um, for me, I, yeah, I understand that the Hogan WWF was very successful and whatnot, but I, I almost guarantee you that there was never a more profitable time for WWE than the Attitude Era. Um, it, it's the era that I look fondly, that I look back fondly the most uh, with Austin and The Rock and, yes, McFoley and Triple H uh, and, and, and all those guys, and I don't think that any of that would have happened without Austin McMahon. Um, the whole... My favorite, yes, the bedpan, but my favorite uh, interaction with Austin and McMahon is the the whole part where Austin has McMahon in the ring and he, he has the gun to his head and he pulls the trigger and mm-hmm. and, the, and the 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 little flag comes out and McMahon pees his pants and just so just so many things that were innovative that you never thought that you would see come out of wrestling because we were so used to wrestling in the early 80s and, and, and even the early 90s being the whole, you know, superhero, uh, you know, everything was gimmick-based, you no know, Doink the Clown and the Boogeyman and, all, you know, all, all that kind of thing. And the Attitude Era really brought the everyday man into wrestling. Everybody could relate to Austin. Everybody wanted to beat the crap out of our boss. Everybody wanted to, you know, to 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 be what Austin was. Everybody hated, they, you know, they had whether it was a current boss. They everybody had somebody that in their life played the McMahon role, and everybody wanted to be Austin and do the things that he was doing. Um, so for me, I, I think that that absolutely was the the epitome. Of wrestling in you know the 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 late '90s, early 2000s, and none of that would have happened without Austin and McMahon. Okay, well, good picks, sir. By the way, um, so I'll go through mine. Um, Jericho versus Punk. Um, obviously, these two said they were the best in the world. Um, the promos that they cut um, on each other were just outstanding. Jericho. I'm a huge Chris Jericho fan and I think that Chris Jericho sometimes works best as a heel rather than some of the silly catchphrases that he comes off with and I get quite tiresome at times um, but you know Jericho using punk um, punk's emotions towards him you know saying that your sister has a drink problem and your father was an alcoholic and all this here and then you know spilling pouring drink onto Punk's head and smashing the bottle off the back of his head their Chicago street fight just everything that these two did was brilliant um, these two are just 
these two were just great together and I hope at some stage we see them feuding again. Number four, Savage vs. Flair. The reason why this made my list is because WrestleMania 8 was my first pay-per-view that I watched. Um, I remember getting magazines and seeing like um, Flair with Elizabeth and there was like a pillow that said R. <laughs> but later on it, it was actually all doctored and it was actually Savage and Flair had put his face on it and things like that. So I remember that around the match that they had. Now obviously WrestleMania 8, originally it was meant to be Hogan versus Flair, but for some reason they put Hogan with Psycho Sid and then the Ultimate Warrior came back and everything like that. But I just love the match that these two had with each other. Obviously Flair working the leg, going to do the figure four and Randy rolling them up and pulling the tights and then the promo they cut afterwards was just brilliant. I just... um it's a match that I um, I never got bored of watching. Very much like the Savage Warrior match. I was going to put that in, but I just remember a lot more to the build-up for this. Hogan versus The Rock. Now, this is one of my all-time favourite matches. Um, is Hogan versus The Rock from WrestleMania 18. Not the No Way Out 2003. Uh, that's not really up there, <laughs> so it's not. Um, just Hogan being the NWO trying to take Rock out being in uh, Rock being in the ambulance and then Hogan getting a truck and saying that he's going to lay the smack down in his crippled ass NWO style <laughs> as he plies into the side of the the um, the ambulance and then they kind of look in there and then run away but then obviously the the match that ensues then the crowd going nuts for Hogan the crowd all being in Hogan's corner Hogan then turning back to his roots his red and yellow um just the build up to that match was just f- phenomenal Undertaker Undertaker versus HBK already talked about at length so I'm not going to talk about that but just the matches between these two were just again classics and Stone Cold versus Rock as Mike touched on you know these two were where it's were, were where these two were wrestling these two were either you were a Rock supporter like Alan was or you were an Austin supporter like I was um, no matter when these two hooked up, whether it was like in a tag team match against people, whether it was against each other at any stage, these two always, to pardon the pun, electrified the audience. Um, the way Rock took stunners was always hilarious to me. I always loved the way how he took a stunner. Um, and just these two match, like the WrestleMania 17 match for me, WrestleMania 17 for me is probably my favourite pay-per-view and this is just one of those matches that kind of defines what wrestling should be about, you know, like these two just having the respect for each other and then as you said, Mike, WrestleMania 19, Austin buying out The Rock being the bigger man and taking his leave and walking away to let Austin enjoy his moment with the crowd and, you know, celebrating with them, you know, like what a momentous career that he had had. So that does it for that. So did you enjoy going down memory lane and reliving some of our feuds from ourselves and our loyal listeners then Mike? Oh absolutely Um, it's always good to see I mean I know what I like and you know what you like but it's nice to see what other people what really rings true to them and what is number one in their hearts Um, Mm. because it might even be you know some of the things that we've seen on these lists maybe weren't on our list but you look back at them and go you know what yeah that I didn't really think of that one when we were doing our list, but you know what? That is a, a, a really good uh, a really good shout. So it yeah. 
it lets you think of things that might not have necessarily been fresh in your mind. Okay. Um, that's going to basically do it for us, but stay tuned because at the end of this here, you'll have Real Ben Reed, um, Ben Reed, Real Ben Reed New on YouTube. Apparently, he was having problems with the old account. Um, talking about his favorite lists and Alan Price at the end. Talking about his Alan will be the one to round us out of the show. Yay! <laughs> um, uh, so Alan talks about his five. Um, so we've been going for about an hour and a half, and this will then add. An- so this will be about a two-hour podcast thereabouts. But back before we bang. go, yes, back with a bang indeed. But before we go, we have we have the winners of the Blu-ray set of the top twenty-five rivalries, and the winner of the DVD set of the top twenty-five rivalries, courtesy of WWE Home Video, www.dvd.co.uk. So, Mike, if you could announce who won the DVD set, please. All right, drum roll, please. No, I don't have a drum, so. No. Oh well, <laughs> the winner of our DVD is Craig Gravis. Congratulations, Craig. Bravo, Craig. And the winner of our Blu-ray is the aforementioned Ben Reed. Real Ben Reed. Because he took the time to do a YouTube video, Alan doesn't count because Alan's been on the show. Alan is staff, so he can't <laughs> enter into competitions very much like I can't. So, um, Ben Reed, I'll be in touch with you both, asking your address, and um, they will send out the items to you. So, Mike, before we go, thanks very much for coming on. We shall try to come up with a new list for you people to go through, for us to go and talk about, because that was a lot of fun. Um, So, Mike, if we have anything you would like to promote, feel free and go on ahead and do so, sir. Well, first of all, so glad to be back. Um, It's been a long time, and I want to publicly thank Mr. Alan Price for carrying the ball this year, as as I have severely dropped it, apparently. Uh, <laughs> oh, have you seen him carry balls or whatever? I've never ever seen them. Uh, so, I don't want to go there. Um, That's a little dodgy. It's just because dodgy. I've been. It's because I've been bored, and I've just said, "Here, do you want to do something?" Else? And then he's just been here, so that's that's all it is. Uh, no, I want. I do. I do want to thank Alan for for stepping in and um, putting out a few shows, or else there wouldn't be any Russell shocks on the Operation Retro Shock feed, and. You know, we need to keep the feed going because there's such a lot of such great programming going on here. Um, but what uh, the, what I want to promote is our other project, which is What the Shell um, podcast, all about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that we do with ourselves and our good friends Dylan Cook and Sween Hollick. Um, you can follow that on the What the Shell feed on iTunes. Subscribe and take a listen to that. Um, we also have a Facebook page, uh, which is www.facebook backslash Classics. Um, a couple of weeks ago we had the guys on from PowerCon um, which is your He-Man and Thundercats and this year introducing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles convention being held in Los Angeles, California which is uh, as of today's recording about two weeks away um, you can go to www.thepower-con.com to get some more information on that or if it's easier for you you can follow the PowerCon on Twitter um, they have updates as of you know different information different guests uh, different voice actors from the different shows that they're going to have attend uh, different panels and whatnot. and it should be a great time okay super super uh, so yeah we'll probably be in touch with people who have been kind enough to send emails and uh, say what we're going to do next but uh, just Mike um, hopefully we'll start cranking these out in the run up to Christmas do one every so often and let 
not leave it um, the length of time that we did um, but I just want to thank you for coming on so as we've said uh, up next is Ben Reed and Alan Price there's a little bit of a musical little interlude between the two just to do with the rivalry that was on quite a few people's lists and a certain song that you can't really mention without mentioning The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin which was my way by Limp Bizkit so Mike thank you for coming on once again Ah, thank you and uh, yes that's going to do it for now so say bye Mike bye Mike I knew he was going to do that and that's the reason why I haven't spoken to him since January so <laughs> yeah bye everyone hey guys Real Ben Reed back again uh, I thought it was just easy to do a video response and email him so um, yeah let's go uh, number five is um, Edge and Christian versus the Dudleys versus the Hardys now in my opinion um, since I've watched wrestling and of what I've seen, I, I think this is the greatest tag team rivalry that I've ever seen. Um, I, I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed their matches. Um, every pay-per-view, just everybody, each as each one came along, uh, one after the other, just, it got more and more anticipated, which you know it obviously shows that it's working and it's getting better. And they brought a new life to the tag team division, you know, with uh, the, the re... The, the, well, they didn't invent them, but I mean, they made the ladder matches, the tables matches, chair matches, and TLC as well. They made them more relevant and a lot, lot better, and a lot more uh, vicious, you could say. Um, some of the spots in some of the matches was outstanding. You know, you had Edge getting, uh, spearing Jeff Hardy from the top of the ladder, you know, 20 feet in the air. You had uh, Bubba Ray going through the tables off the ladder, you had Matt Hardy getting tipped backwards off the ladder to the outside, just some insane spots. Uh, even when Edge speared Lita outside the ring, that was just insane as well. But um, yeah, great, great rivalry. Um, it's a shame tag team division, it's a shame the tag team division's not what it used to be. Um, you know, The Shield, I, I, you know, I enjoy watching, but I mean, there's when you bring uh, teams like you know Mike Emery and Big Show together to challenge the Shield, that's what annoys me. If there's plenty of teams out there like the Usos and the Primetime Players who can challenge uh, as a viable tag team. You know what I mean? Who, 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 who know how to be a tag team? I mean, I know Big Show and Mike Emery's been in enough tag teams to know it, but you know they are the singles. You know what I mean? So it, it just it just annoys me when they chuck two big guys together to try and make the tag team division bigger, and it's not going to work. I think you just you bet if you put the prime time players against uh, the Shield at Nice Champions, you get a better response than Mark Emmy and Big Show. But that's just my opinion. So yeah, that's why the tag team uh, is number five. Uh, number four is uh, Mick Foley against uh, Triple H. Um, this th this rivalry was just so brutal, so intense, just so eye catching. It was just superb. I mean. Each like same with the tag team as each match came, it got more and more anticipated. You know, it started off. They had this uh, when well, it started off at first when Triple H was Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and um, the matches were they were good, but they only started getting good when uh, they started having like you know your you know old bar matches and uh, no DQ matches, and that's when Hunter Hearst Helmsley became Triple H, um, and that's when he came that you know like the the bad guy, and he came out of his shell more. And then that's when we first kind of see how far Triple H would go in a match to win a match. And everybody knows how far Mick Foley would go, um, you know, because Triple H was known as the cerebral assassin. And, um, you know, Mick Foley was known as this crazy son of a bitch, you know what I mean? He'd do anything. 
and the matches they had were just superb. They had some cage matches, what were outstanding, no DQ matches, uh, just no hold bars, false counts anywhere. The, the matches just got more and more brutal and they were just superb to watch. Some of my favourite uh, Mick Foley matches of all time were Triple H. They had some just unbelievable matches. Just, just, just you can't explain how good they are, you know what I mean? It was just, they started off for dead, like I say earlier, in Triple H's career, and then he, as he came on to being Triple H, not on terms, sounds like, um, you know, like the bad guy kind of look instead of, you know, the royal blue blood um, kind of look. And it, they just got better because, you know, he, he came out of his shell more, he was more like a bad guy, he was attacking aggressive, and the, even though the promos were brilliant, like there was one match leading up to one match, and Triple H in the ring saying, you know, I will be one step better, one step better, one step more hardcore than you will ever be. And it was just superb stuff and the matches delivered massively and they were brilliant to watch. And that's why it's my number four. Coming in at number three is Stone Cold and The Rock. Um, there's, well, there's no need to explain. I mean, these guys had like three sets of matches at WrestleMania that were the greatest matches, you know, of all time at WrestleMania and for, make each one, you know, as good as the last, if not a little bit better. Even though, like, personally, the uh, WrestleMania 17 was my favourite. But, um, yeah, just some superb matches. And it's not just the WrestleMania stuff. I mean, Raw week in, week out, you know, Stone Cold was always the, the top guy when he was around and The Rock was not far behind him, but he always was behind him. And then when Stone Cold went away with his injury in '97, you know The Rock kind of. By the time Stone Cold came back, The Rock rose to the top, and he was he was the big guy, and you know that that led into the uh, WrestleMania match, uh, which was just outstanding, and uh, even the the you know the last the, the the last one of the trilogy of WrestleMania matches, uh, which ne nearly didn't happen. You know Stone Cold got uh, rushed into hospital uh, the night before. Had a real big scare, but I mean, Christ, he got released the same day and wrestled uh, in the main event of WrestleMania the next day. Just different class altogether. Um, you, there's nothing, you just don't know what words can describe how good this feud was. I mean, like, we on Raw, I mean, like, when Raw used to offer, you know, they used to carry on the feud and they used to sing together, and then it'd either end up in Stone Cold Rock, uh, Stunning Rock, or Rock with Rock Bottom. Stone Cold and you know they they drink a beer and then it gets stunned or you know what I mean and it was just a great great feud it made that that this was one of two feuds that made the Asheria what it was and uh, coming in number two is um, Austin again versus Vince McMahon now no this is technically not two wrestlers um, but I mean I think everybody can you know give benefit of doubt on this one because obviously this was one of the greatest feuds of all time. And probably one of the feuds that made the Attitude Era what it was for WF. Um, you know, Vince was, he never really got shown early in the early 90s as the owner. You know, everybody, um, he was just a commentator. And um, I think it was Gorilla Monsoon who got put over as the owner at the time. Uh, I might be wrong on that. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, it was uh, when Vince came out, as you know, shown as the owner of the company, and Stone Cold was like this. You know, bad guy, son of a bitch, uh, you know, fingers hell raising, just drinking beers. And Vince didn't like it because he, 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 he liked the corporate champions, which obviously Stone Cold later became for a while, but beside the point. And that that first time, um, the, the the first stunner uh, on Vince, well, the first time Vince McMahon really ever got, you know, 
assaulted, so you could say, um, you know, because like people talk about it and saying like, you know, you've got one thing you always want to do, you know, hit your boss, everybody wants to hit the boss, like, you know, square between the eyes, and for people at that time to see Stone Cold, uh, you know, Stunner the boss, Vince McMahon, uh, was just massive, it was a massive moment, and it brought the ice, and then it just got, it just went sky high from there. And um, you know, it was. I think it was. I'm sure. It, yeah, it was at Madison Square Garden as well. You know, so we're well better to do it. And the feud from there was just unreal. I mean, the amount of scenarios and spots, not just matches, but just scenarios we got from that feud. You know, with the beer truck. Um, you know, with Stone Cold singing "Kumbaya" with uh, Vince when he was kind of you know when he was injured and it was like a suck up to Vince and you know that was part of the the whole you know feud because at that time Vince hated Stone Cold as well you know he just didn't like that kind of Stone Cold uh, you know the amount of stunners Vince has had off of Stone Cold and, and well the whole McMahon family really but you know the matches they had you know the 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 cage match they had was just brilliant I mean the people forget about Vince like you know he he. He will not make one of his wrestlers do something he, he won't try himself. Now, obviously, he never tried jumping off top of the cage like Mick Foley did, because, you know, who would? But, I mean, he's, he's been thrown through tables. It, Shawn Michaels has jumped off a 20-foot ladder through him on a table. He's got thrown off a cage, off the side of the cage, through a table. He's been stunned. He's been rock-bottomed. He's been, you know, he's, he's, he's one of them bosses who, you know, like I say, he's... he's a, he won't try anything, you know, he, he wants to try it um, to, sh to show the wrestlers, no, if I can do it, you're going out there doing it, you know what I mean? And that, that was that's what made the feud even better, the fact that he took bumps. And the fact Stone Cold took bumps through, you know, there were times, you know, when Stone Cold had a one-hand time, he had his back, and he had a match with Vince, and then I think it was Dude Love came out as the uh, special guest referee for Vince and started attacking Stone Cold. Um, but, yeah, just an outstanding feud, and... Out of two, two, uh, I won't say superstars, but two, two guys in the business, this was my favourite feud. Because coming in at number one, um, it might be a, I don't know if it's going to be unpopular because I, were, I wasn't sure if, you know, all five had to be five, like, guy on guy feuds or it could be just feuds in wrestling in general. And so, yeah, this might be disapproved by some, I don't know, uh, but whatever this is my number one feud in my personal opinion that uh, was just brilliant for wrestling and that's WF versus WCW in the 1990s during the Attitude Era I think this feud was one of um, the greatest things that, that that happened in wrestling in years because I mean before that there wasn't really you know the, you had you, there was Back in like the 80s, there were so many promotions around and scattered around, you know, there was one that stood out, you know, there were just loads. And then when Vince, like, Vince McMahon Sr. Um, bought all these promotions and got all these wrestlers in and got more and more wrestlers in, and um, WF obviously went sky high, um, there wasn't anybody else that could touch it, you know what I mean? There was WF or he was at WCW, um, but WCW wasn't, you know, as big. Um, then and then you know you had this young guy Eric Bischoff take over. Ted Turner got this TV rights and the money Ted Turner had was ridiculous um, with um, with his TV company and yeah it just skyrocketed from the I mean WCW like the, you had WF there you had WCW here and then all of a sudden week by week it was like that 
and you know when WCW got Hulk Hogan that was a massive thing in wrestling it was just massive I mean can you imagine John Cena going to like TNA now I know TNA is nowhere near as big as what WCW was but just imagine if TNA was a bit a bit you know more well known worldwide and then John Cena like jumped ship to TNA that's how big it was then it was a massive massive deal in wrestling and it caused a lot of friction it caused it caused WWF to go, you know, it, it dragged him down for a, a, you know, a good while when he, because like the ratings for WCW for Hulk Hogan's first match was just unreal, and um, it was just, it was one of them things in wrestling that you'll never forget. And then they started getting the guys like Macho Man, and they started getting guys like Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. I'm not saying cause Kevin Nash has got all these big things in wrestling, you know, they they did a good job in WWF, but I mean. The fact that they jump shipped and they made it look like they were just invading, and people genuinely thought they weren't signed with WCW and they were just invading from WF to try and spoil their product. It was that good of an angle, and it worked on a lot of people. Um, you know, you got your guy. They got the guys like they had, they had like at the time of the middle nineties, they had the best cruiserweight division, and that's what made them like people talk about your people like Goldberg going on these runs, and you know Kevin Nash and Scott Hall with NWO. But people forget. You know, you look at the mid-card, and it was a lot, lot, lot better than WF stuff. I mean, they had Chris Jericho, Rey Mysterio, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, and the matches they would pull off is just ridiculous. And, you know, that's what, for me personally, if I was watching in that time, because obviously I weren't watching rest of the next things I've seen, um, that, that's the kind of stuff that would draw me in, not the main event of Goldberg versus Kevin Nash, where Kevin Nash, you know, would beat Goldberg for title and stop his run. That's some of what I wouldn't have been interested in at the time, I don't think, and I would have been more interested in the mid-card. And that's where WCW failed, because they didn't realise how good that was until it was over. Because, you know, the guys like your Chris Jericho's and your Eddie Guerrero's and your Rey Mysterio's and your Dean Malenko's signed for WF. WF realised how good they was and utilised them better than WCW ever did. You know what I mean? The, the whole storyline with Chris Jericho and Goldberg... It went on for months and months and months and months with Chris Jericho baiting him and all that. And Goldberg, backstage, got pissed off with it, thought, this guy can't beat me realistically. And just ended it like that by, you know, attacking him and having this short little match. And it, Chris Jericho talks about it a lot in his DVD, how he was just so pissed off with that. And that's when he made his mind up that WCW was just a failing show. You guys like Ric Flair, who's a WCW legend in the later times of WCW said it was just a show that was going downhill and I was embarrassed to wrestle for it. You know, they had wrestlers like Sting who were still massive in the company, they didn't you it was just bad booking, a lot of money going around, and then you had WF who at the time, you know, when they realised, Christ, this guy this these guys are serious, they're beating us in the ratings, what do we do? And then, hey ho, the Attitude Era is born. You got Rock and and, and Vince, which I've talked about, obviously. Uh, Rock and Austin, uh, Rock and Austin, Austin and Vince. You had the corporate champions. You had DX, which was just different class. You know that changed everything. The whole um, DX army invaded WCW, knocking on the door. That was a massive thing at the time. Still is. People still talk about it to this day, and it was just superb stuff. And that's why I think. This feud, and I don't care what anybody says, like this, this was a feud. It wasn't just, you know, um, a war, uh, as people, you know, Monday Night War. It was a massive feud in wrestling. It's a, re it's a feud that changed wrestling in the nineties. And you know, to be honest, it's kind of sad that Vince bought it out. You know, he did the right thing for business, um, but you know, it's it's always nice to have competition. And it's a shame, like your companies, like your TNAs, or like 
you know, Ring of Honor, I guess you could say, are not big enough and not got enough money to challenge the WWE because it's always nice for a fan to watch another product that's equally as good as the other and then, you know, not so you could choose but to the fact you've got a, a vary of, you know, stuff to watch and, you know, because sometimes you, get, you could get bored of WWE after you're watching 12 hours a week of it, you know, it's always nice to switch. You know, so WCW on back in the 90s, you could just switch WCW and, and different product, different commentators, a different layout, different ring, different arena, different wrestlers, and it's just the, and that's why I believe this was the greatest rivalry, in my opinion, of of all time in wrestling, and and I just thought it was a massive thing for wrestling and a massive thing for the wrestling fans, and yeah, so yeah, that's the uh, video for today, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed. I know I rambled on a while, but. I like to uh, to make my point valid and uh, real by read out. Stone Cold Steve Austin will be in the main event at WrestleMania. Oh hell yeah! This is Stone Cold Steve Austin. In the interest of fairness, did I inform you? Then officially, as of now, you are managing The Rock. Austin's wife's managing The Rock? What the hell is that? I never asked for Dipper to be my manager, never wanted Dipper to be my manager. But the fact of the matter is this, is she's not my responsibility. She's not my wife. She's your wife. I know it's going to break Dipper's ankle for God's sake. Why do you there's a rattlesnake? You never, ever, ever put your hands on another man's wife. Austin warned him. Just go ahead and take Deborah out of the equation. Bam, she's non-factor. The fact is, Rock, you got the WWF title, and I want it. The Brahma Bull is furious. He's talking on here. Set him up. He wants that rock bottom. Here it comes. He's on the rock bottom angle from behind. All hell is broken loose. Here comes rock bottom. Rock bottom angle. Look at Austin. Look at Austin. Stop it. How will the rock retaliate? There could be hell to pay for Austin. Let's go call Steve Austin. The Rock isn't waiting until WrestleMania. Your bald-headed, double-studded, candy ass belongs to The Rock. Wait a minute. The Rock is getting the Stone Cold Stunner. The Stone Cold Steve Austin. How personal can this get? Can you imagine what it's going to be like WrestleMania? Just one more fight and I'll be history. I will give you every drop of sweat, every drop of blood, every ounce of energy I have. You are going to get the absolute best of The Rock at WrestleMania. I need to beat you, Rock. I need more than anything that you can ever imagine. There can be only one World Wrestling Federation champion, and that will be Rock Stone Cold Steve Austin. With all due respect. Here's truly Alan G.W. Price back here again uh, to give you um, a response to uh, Chris Vint, Vintomania's request for WrestleShock for my top five rivalries of all time. So, we'll get things started with my top five rivalries uh, of all time. Number five is Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. I know Shock Horror. Some people would think that that probably deserves to be higher up on the list. Um, now, I do 
you know, see this as a fantastic rivalry. I am a fan of Shawn Michaels. Um, Mikey 2004, fellow MIWC member, will probably hate me for what I'm about to say next. Um, I respect Bret Hart as a competitor, but I have never been a huge fan of him. Um, I have preferred Owen Hart over Bret Hart. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it was just um, something about Owen's demeanour in comparison to Bret. And uh, more so maybe even Bret nowadays, the way he just doesn't seem to care, but that's to be expected. Um, and then gives off with about four tens and stuff like that. Um, but no, their rivalry, you know, Montreal screw job stuff aside, is uh, a fantastic rivalry in the grand scheme of things. Everybody remembers the likes of the Iron Man matches that they had. Uh, Iron Man matches, um, you know, the going to a draw, going to overtime, all that sort of stuff. It was really, really good. Um, the matches just uh, stand out in terms of the history of the business. Um, but for me, it only reaches number five on my list. Next up at number four is the Dudley Boys, ENC, Edge and Christian, and the Hardy Boys. Um, these three teams really do define um, my time growing up as a wrestling fan. Uh, these were the main tag teams uh, in the Attitude Era when I was really just, well, I'm not going to say hooked on wrestling, but uh, invested in the product a lot more because I was younger and uh, thought it was real and stuff. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert there, people. Um, but the matches these guys put on and ladders, you know, tables and chairs, all that sort of stuff, I don't know why I said it that way around. Um, just the madness that these guys did, putting their bodies on the line and, you know, making the tag team division mean something, especially in that era. In comparison to what it is now, it's, it's having wee resurgence now at times, but there's still just moments where you're just like, what is going on with this division? Um, it's going to be interesting seeing what happens at Night of Champions coming up in uh, the uh, future for The Shield. Um, it's looking like it's going to be Mark Henry and Big Show, another throwing together tag team uh, facing them for the tag titles. I wouldn't be surprised if going forward we end up seeing that uh, the Shield retain the belts at Night of Champions and then we get to see the primetime players go for the tag belts and possibly win um, because you know obviously the primetime players are getting quite a major push in regards to everything that came out about Darren Young um, but uh, WWE has to capitalise on publicity uh, but yeah Dudley's E&C and the Hardys did some phenomenal matches during this time period um, it's just a shame that some members of um, the, these groups um, have either lost their way uh, in terms of Matt Hardy or had to unfortunately retire when it comes to the likes of uh, Edge. Um, but uh, this, these feuds between these guys will always be remembered I think for any uh, fan that was around uh, watching at the Attitude Era. Number three on the list is Undertaker versus Kane, and this will make Mr. Big Red 1990 very happy that it's on my list. Undertaker and Kane, you don't need to say a great deal about these two. The Brothers of Destruction, um, rivalry-wise, they've had many, many matches, buried alive at WrestleMania, all that sort of stuff. Um, at times, it just really is fantastic, you know, like so when Paul Bear got brought back in, or even right back at the beginning when Paul Bear brought uh, Kane in and was ripping the door off the Hell in a Cell. 
all that sort of stuff. Um, and for me as well, funnily enough, you know, some of my favourite stuff with uh, Kane and The Undertaker is when they were Brothers of Destruction, again, a tag team during the sort of Attitude Era days. Um, I think, again, that's just another thing that epitomises the Attitude Era for me, was those two together and, uh, you know, hearing Undertaker's music and Kane's music put together, just, <laughs> I loved because... Everybody loved Limp Biscuit and Rolling back then because it was the Undertaker's music. But no, this is this is a feud that really will go down in the history of wrestling. Um, they're just two guys that are guaranteed Hall of Famers. Um, I can't believe that people have questioned um, whether Kane deserved to go into the Hall of Fame. I don't think it, it has it can be questioned at all. He is a guaranteed Hall of Famer in my opinion. And um, I look forward to seeing uh, the day he does go in the Hall of Fame and actually seeing what his Hall of Fame uh, speech is like. Um, going towards to WrestleMania 30, it'll be very interesting to see who else is put in the Hall of Fame. We already uh, you know, guessed that the likes of uh, Paul Bearer and all is going to be going in there. But uh, whether Undertaker's going to hang up the boots again after 30 um, and he could get put in the Hall of Fame... Goodness knows then, but both of them are going in the Hall of Fame. No if, buts, ands, or maybes. And um, it's quite it's quite a cool thing in the sense that it's going to be you know in storyline that um, the two brothers and the father are going to be in uh, the Hall of Fame. And uh, next up then number two is Hulk Hogan, which will make Ventomania very happy versus. Hot Rod Rowdy Roddy Piper. Now, I am, and there's the pen again, um, I am a major uh, Roddy Piper fan. Vento is a major Hulk Hogan fan, so it's kind of apt that uh, we are somehow friends and uh, we support the opposite guy in one of the kind of major rivalries that happened back in the day. Um, some of the promo work between these two is just fantastic and you know it's it's almost like CM Punk and Cena nowadays when they were feuding um, you know CM Punk is kind of more the Roddy Piper sort of guy he's very uh, strong on the mic and uh, doesn't pull his punches as you know his punches especially like we've seen um, couple of weeks ago on uh, Monday Night Raw where he teed off in the guy in the crowd and uh, then uh, Hulk Hogan is very much as we all know our John Cena and uh, just these guys just epitomize um, greatness in the business when it comes to uh, a rivalry and uh, the shame is that when they tried to sort it out in WCW, it didn't really go very well. But that's just the you know the signs of WCW more than anything. But no, Hulk Hogan, Roddy Roddy Piper is my number two on my list. And when I reveal my number one, you'll go, oh, you've you know you've left one very substantial one out. The main reason I've left that one out is because. You know, yes, it was a major rivalry, do not get me wrong, and it is in fact the number one on the top 25 rivalries DVD uh, that you can get from WWE DVDs. 
or that uh, Chris is giving away in the competition. But uh, yes, there was back and forth between the two, but I felt that my number one just again meant more to me because of when it happened and because of simply the two individuals in it. And my number one, of course, is Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. Um, if you've ever listened to previous episodes of Rational Shock, ever previous videos on here, anything that I have talked about in terms of wrestling past, as in favourite matches, favourite WrestleMania moments, it will not surprise you that The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin are my top rivalry. Their WrestleMania matches, their feuds for that, all are absolutely just up there in everything in the business. WrestleMania 17, WrestleMania 19 being the two favourites of mine in terms of their WrestleMania matches. Two completely different style of feuds, WrestleMania 17 being where Austin turned heel with McMahon against The Rock, screwing The Rock out of the, the title and being the heel that everybody just didn't really, well didn't, not that they didn't really want to see, but uh, you know, caused them to be in great shock and Austin even claiming that he says if I could have not turned heel that night I wouldn't have. But then the flip side at WrestleMania 19 where Rock is in fact the um, bad guy going into it and being Mr. Sort of Hollywood and stuff like that. And uh, 19 is probably my favourite match out of them all. Um, Simply maybe not only down to the in-ring work, but what we all know that came out about the night before where uh, Austin unfortunately had a quite a big scare and ended up in hospital and then uh, made it back to do the match the next day at WrestleMania 19. Um, that guy has just such a set on him, it's, it's unreal. But... Uh, Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, number one rivalry for me. So that's my list. What is your list? And uh, you can leave a video response down below uh, or just leave a comment as well. Um, but uh, yep, that's going to do us for today. So uh, as always, you're welcome.